Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show This episode was recorded while my podcast was still called GSOH. Don't be confused, you're in the right place. GSOH. Good sense of humor. The new podcast by Nico T- by Nico T- by Nico Tatarovic where he sh- tries with talks to people with talks to people with a good sense of humor gsoh can you see my feed i can see your feed i can see yes i can see a little green thing shooting up to about 75 percent yeah it's not too bad no no one's clipping little finger click there can yeah i'm not clipping i guess when it goes red that means i'm in i'm yeah no you're good i think you're good well that'd be my soft irish lilt oh here we go Straight away, leaning in <laughs> to the only thing about you that isn't white male privilege. <laughs> My Irishness. Mm. Grasping, as, Grasping. We f- as we fall down the well of irrelevance. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> I don't have any options. <laughs> Please. What have you got? What have you got that you could lean into? You've got Irishness. Yep. Uh, would it be fair to say ginger, gingerness? Ginger, gingerness, yeah. Uh, although it's rapidly becoming kind of um, salt and peppery, as my mum uh, would say. Yeah, it's yeah, it's taken that so away from you. It's that. <laughs> I said, uh, God, you can't win, can you? I used to have this incredible sort of autumnal haze about my hair around this time of the uh, year, but one it's... way of putting it. <laughs> but it's it's dulled. It's dulled. It's dulled. You did look like uh, a, a sort of, um, how should we put this? Because I don't want to offend you. Mm, sure. Um, had you grown it, you I think you would have looked like a kind of poor man's Mick Hucknall. Is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fair? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's okay. what we're here for. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that. A poor man's make hook. Welcome to the fairness show <laughs> with Nico Tatarovic. It's not how you say my name. My name is Nico. Nico. 
Nicholas, Nico. I am not Nico, Nico. I am not standing with bum bag saying, psst, 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 you like to buy chocolate? Si, 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 certo, certo, certo. Although, is Nico. Nico, Nico. But actually, I sort of almost take it as a compliment when I'm mistaken for a sort of Mediterranean swarthy con man. Mm. Uh, because it's more interesting than the desperate reality of who I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny, I live in Italy and I'm never mistaken for a swarthy Mediterranean con man. Yeah, how does that? Uh, how do they compute you in Italy? Have you had any? Well, they look at me and they. I guess one word comes to mind. Albino. Uh, no, not albino. No, that's a. <laughs> no, the word I was going to use was exotic. <laughs> oh, I, lis- listeners won't won't realise how funny that is. If you've not spent, I think I've known Connor now for. I would say, I think this is. Well, I think you know it was the year two thousand, so I reckon. Yeah. This is year tw- year twenty. It's our twenty first. Our twenty first. Do we get the keys to the house? We've we've had the keys to the house. Oh, that was three years ago, wasn't it? Oh, we've we've you know many years ago. We lived we lived together almost within a year of meeting. That's right. Yeah. And, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's probably probably quite a good <laughs> good fun to cover that period. But yeah, yeah basically, yeah, yeah. for people who who are listening, Connor Connor Morrissey is my friend foremost but uh he he counts you know he he qualifies for gsoh guest as guest material because he works in the biz okay let's just say uh probably would have got rid of him by now if it wasn't for the (laughs) the the tiny potential (laughs) that knowing him brings No, Connor, Connor's a director. I'll let him talk himself through it in a minute. But uh, when we first met, we were just fucking fresh, wet-eared, desperate boys arriving yeah. in London going, what's, you know, here's the big wide world of opportunity. Uh, hey, man, what do you do? Let's yeah. let's 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 do role play. Hey, yeah, hi. Uh, all right, mate. I'm Nicole. I've just moved from Manchester. What's your, what are you doing here? Yeah, I played the... I played the innocent card, you know, initially. Really like, you know, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you mean to say the pavements aren't made with gold? Actually, yes. You pro- Even though you're kind of joking, you always have come across as a man desperately trying to fit in. So I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair that, well, that uh, you, maybe because of your middle class entitlement, Mm. We're definitely giving off more of a yeah, like I'm I'm fucking here, I'm working, I'm you know, I'm here to do my thing, I'm gonna make my mark. Ah, let's just fucking talk. Let's talk business. What do you wanna know? I was like, All right, mate. Actually, I've just remembered how we actually met and it yes. was literally a job we did, wasn't it? It was a commercial. We did this um commercial which was my first ever professional job first and only first and only (laughs) ever professional job i've been sending out my reel since then it's only 20 years yeah Yeah. just for context uh connor works and lives on a dairy a dairy farm uh (laughs) he still he still calls himself a film director but uh let's just say he's made more butter than films (laughs) (laughs) no we met you're right we met on a 
commercial, uh, yes. like obviously, like I started off in advertising, yeah. moved down to London, and even though the place I worked at wasn't really like a fancy swish proper ad agency, they were sort of like quite a plucky little outfit. It was a really good, fun place to work called Clayton oh. Healy Jones Mason. Clayton Healy Jones Mason, yes, and it was. You know, loads of people off their nuts, getting drunk all the time, just trying to fucking blag their way into making this company seem and then become better than it, than it, you know, than it, the sum of its parts at that time. And they fucking pulled it off as well to some extent. They did, yeah. they did some really good stuff, but like, you know. I, I always felt there was too many names in the title. I, yeah, I, I kind of felt that like maybe two should take a back seat and just call it Clayton Healy. And in the, and in the end, that was its downfall. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it ended up it ended up just being called Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was a really fun place to work, and fucking you know, literally just months into being in London, where you're a northern fucking oik, yeah. and you you've got this you've somehow got this job with your mate who's also a northerner, and we're on the in this sort of glass building called the Glass Mill, next yeah. to Battersea Bridge, which you know is literally. 30 metres one way and you're in like quite a rough bit of Battersea but cross the bridge onto the other side of the river and it's literally Chelsea like the fancy bit of Chelsea the Bluebird Cafe Albert Bridge Battersea Park the King's Road and like so we me and my mate Chris remember little Chris Felstead who would yeah. have actually written that ad with me yeah Um. although I think you'll find there was only one writer in that team Um. he, yeah, Chris, he was a designer he did. A, Chris did a great job on the yeah, script. Look, he did his bit. <laughs> he did his bit. No, um, we 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 rocked up and and this this geezer offered us this job and it was like it, we knew it wasn't like the fanciest place in town, but this guy was basically talking to us, going, "Yeah, so like, here's the 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 offer for the wages, which pro- wasn't even amazing, but like you get paid more in London than you do in Manchester." So we were just like, "What?" And like behind him, the view out of the window was the fucking Thames, the the embankment, all these amazing houses, taxis, helicopters, fucking celebrities going past in a hot air balloon, sushi, like, <laughs> you know, like we just couldn't fucking believe where we were. And so, that the, in, you know, those those first heady months for anyone moving from where they live and where they're from and all it's yeah. kind of, you know, all your kind of... Um, pent up frustrations of not being able to spread your wings and yeah yeah you know, which is bullshit really because you, you you know we we can all fucking achieve what we want to achieve if you're strong enough you can you technically can sort of do that i'd know, never from i'd anywhere, never de- really i think i i'd never describe my first couple of months in london as heady really no my, i mean my, i we my, i was just fucking blown away with the whole thing no, I mean, going coming to London was, was a big deal because I'd finished film school in Dublin and coming to London was a huge deal. But unfortunately, my the first room I got, the, the landlady and the landlord were incredibly problematic. And <laughs> didn't, that word didn't even exist then. <laughs> no, it didn't. But What was the problem? Yeah. Well, the problem was that they just, as my mum or as we might say in Ireland, is they took a scunner against me. <laughs> meaning that they just disliked me and we I had a Norwegian girlfriend at the time and they didn't like me bringing her back and so basically after about three months we both decided this wouldn't work 
But the problem was is that they wouldn't give me the deposit back. So, you know, I, I put down about 750 quid, which oh, my mum actually had given me. My mum had given me as a parting present. Listen, go off and go off and make your fortune in With London. A, a trembling elderly hands. Which exactly. Yeah. And then I, so I put this down as a deposit. And then when I came to get it back, they had some bullshit about, oh, you know, sorry, yeah, there's there, there's some damage to oh. this or that. And they wouldn't give me anything back. Oh, you never told me that when you moved in with me, did you, you little shit? That you've got form <laughs> as a as a deposit fucking worm um what's I... not a wormhole. What do you call it where like a black hole? No, they took my deposit completely, and I was <laughs> like, been a and I was like, there wasn't a reason. Oh, yeah. There, there wasn't a reason. No, she, well, uh, she we'll was. Come to this. Yeah, she was about fifty-two, and she was. They were both. They were kind of crusties, but she had this kind of penchant for boy bands, and she used to listen to these boy bands like E Seventeen, <laughs> and really loud, you know, and really loud in the house, and and you know, and angry. She'd, and she'd sway and just kind of vent. And um, these boy bands provided some sort of a release. Fuck, man. Yeah. But, but, so then was it coming out of that that, like, we'd, we'd known each other, we'd done this job, and then yeah. it's like anyone who's doing anything, who's trying to make any headway in anything in London goes, oh, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to do, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to, yeah. why don't we have a <laughs> yeah. pint? And then we'll both try to do, and then maybe it'll happen and we'll just do it then. Maybe we yeah, should yeah. live together. And then, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I remember calling my mum, you know, like, breathlessly excited. Listen, I met this guy who's trying to do something. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to do something. Yeah, so. There's two of us. <laughs> two of us just trying to do something. I just thought it was all going to be austere, austere kind of um, tall middle class men with bowler hats on. But there's another guy. Yeah, there's another guy. And yeah. I think he's got something. Yeah, he's he's from the he's from the north. I think he's from Iceland. You know, <laughs> he's got he's got a cr- little cross eyes and yeah. cheap, cheap glasses held together with sellotape. But he's got something. <laughs> his, his his hair is flattened down with spit. Yeah. But I you know yeah. I just think he's gonna he's got a chance. Yeah. Anyway, very interesting angle his hair is at. It seems to... <laughs> that was the one. I mean, I was fully in, the, like, right in the middle of my kind of like, walk, try and walk in the the fucking Manchester, you know, Britpop fucking oasis. Absolutely, kind of like, you I was were, yeah. bang centre, yeah. right into. Oh, and I was still skinny, dark hair, bushy eye, not bushy eyebrows, but eyebrows. Yeah, you uh, had eyebrows, I remember uh, that. Yeah. God, you remember them? Hey, <laughs> the times eyebrows. we had with them. <laughs> yeah. But um, God, So you... basically, what the ad we did, mm. um, I wonder if we could find it. Somewhere, somewhere along the way, I've like, you know, gone, hey, look at that, I Maybe, found it, it's uh, there. I, I used to have a copy of it, but also somewhere, I'll tell you where it was, where I, where I finally found it years mm. later. They fucking showed it. They showed our ad on like now and again. There'd be like a celebrity hosting a clip show of like funny adverts, and it was Ruby right. Wax, like I don't know, like canned canned laughter with Ruby Wax, uh-huh. or like the ad game with Ruby Wax. And so she would go, "Oh, so in this next batch of clips, hilariously sports themed, um, you yeah. know, just wait till you see some of this stuff, some some of the funniest ads from around the world." And I'm fucking watching and our, this show. Our, our ad was there, was I'll it? Fucking ad came on, man. 
And it was okay. like, it wasn't famous, Ed, because it wasn't on TV or anything. But yeah, yeah. To, to, again, like context for the for the lovely listeners is that, you know, if you work in an advertising agency of any, of any ilk, right from the junk mail in the magazines to the proper guys who do like the fucking Volkswagen ads and or like Guinness ads and like they're like the superstars of that world. If anyone lets you do anything that is being filmed by a camera, you basically think that you're like, um, who was who was uh, who was your man in the in the eighties who did like Blade Runner and stuff, but also did Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott was like he's like yes. the top. He, so if you got your hands on anything where it was like you're making something that's going to be moving pictures or even yes. just radio, and it just wasn't like nothing wrong with print. You could there, there were some, some amazing advertising over the years in print. Yeah. But when someone was like, when when people start saying, yeah, yeah, and we're going to need a shoot, and we're going to need a director, and yeah, 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 you'd just be like, oh, this is, I've arrived, this is why I moved to London, the cameras are going to be rolling, and any minute now, I'll be making a sci-fi movie. And um, yeah. and then I then I walked into the office, that must have been a horrible well, anticlimax. Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, must have been There tough. was a ripple, there was a, a titter <laughs> of middle-class applause as... Not applause, sorry. A titter, a titter of middle class polite laughter, as you as you sashayed in. Um, sashayed, wow! You sashayed, you sashayed in with your ill-fitting little suit, <laughs> and uh, and your Guinness, your, your Guinness top hat on, and um, my cap cap worn at a jaunty <laughs> angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A big, a, two big hobnail boots, and what, said, "Hello, I'm here to make the advorsh." Now my accent was a lot stronger than that. That's <laughs> you know that's why why be so tame? <laughs> but I remember I remember though when I I remember our initial meetings the the one thing I, the first thing I picked up on you was just how suspicious you were of me. <laughs> what, I think I, you were you were looking like at you me. Mean this. It feels no, like no no but I mean initially I remember you looking at me and I was going yeah I'm going to do this shot. I remember you looking at me going thinking this guy's looking at me thinking here he is he's gonna mess this up and this is my one chance you know you just gone you've just actually reminded me and i'll tell you i wouldn't have ever remembered this as a moment but you've but what i remember is you were talking through the shots yeah that this ad needed and i'll just say what the ad was actually sure it, it's quite a cute little idea and what it was was yeah. the product if you like wasn't something awful it was a charity so that made us feel even better it was called it was for shelter the homeless charity and the thing was wear your football kit to work and there'll be like football stuff at work and you'll raise money and it was called strip for shelter like wear your football strip for shelter to work right so we we came up with the idea not connor this happened before he got involved (laughs) no we came up with the idea of uh a load of people arriving at a bus stop wearing Arsenal shirts, kind of giving each other silent little cheeky little winks and nods. Yeah. And then the then they all step forward because the bus is arriving and it just fucking goes past them. Yeah, and then just... you, you cut to inside the, the, the cabin and the bus driver's wearing a Tottenham shirt, right? Yeah. And he just smiled to himself and left them all standing. Yeah. And it's such a simple little sight gag. And, uh, <laughs> you know, by no means am I saying... It was a, a work of genius. You know, it's probably like 20 seconds long, if that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe 20, 30 seconds. Anyway, the fact is, it was amazing fun shooting it and all the rest of it. But then, 
it probably wasn't you that was with me. I think me and Chris, we found out where it was on. It was a cinema advert. Right. It was actually yes. the, the first time in my life that I've gone to see something that I'd done and then heard an audience laugh. Oh, yeah. So I'll tell you what it was. It was they. It was on before Scary Movie, the, the <laughs> okay. spoof. Yeah. So like me yeah. and Chris went to see Scary Movie just because we'd been told the ad is on the schedule or whatever, like before that screening. I don't know whether I think you'd remember if you were there. I'm pretty it must have been Chris then. No, and we went no, and like yeah. you know squeezed each other's legs and went, "Oh my god, did you hear that?" Like the the cinema genuinely fucking laughed, and yeah. without a doubt, however small that job was, that was like that was literally the fucking blue touch paper. So wait a minute. So I can think of a thing, and a room of people will make that noise like. Maybe yeah. I should write some more things. Like maybe, what if I was able to write a sketch? What if I was able, you know, and like for us as a team and just generally just thinking, it was just really fucking exciting, you know, like, yeah. and I'm sure it was yeah. the same for you getting your teeth into what yeah, I would imagine I, was pretty early London it, job. It was, that was actually my first job. Oh, yeah, it was, it was my, it, it was my first job. <laughs> so it was a big deal yeah there was yeah. no budget we had to trawl the depths yeah i remember when they offered me this money which was a pittance and i was like thank you i mean it was it was <laughs> um it was like it was between you and an, uh, and an ice cream man called uh kevin yeah who had who had you know Bor- who borrowed the- borrowed some camera equipment from his brother. Yeah, but, yeah. but, uh, but he, and he broke his leg, he, and then I, <laughs> he, yeah, his fridge <laughs> broke down on the day. Right, yeah, sure, that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was my opening. And then, yeah. then suddenly I was away. Then wasn't I? You were. But what yeah. I was going to say is, and I'm not criticizing this now because I wouldn't have known one thing from another, right? But it was like, okay, so here's this guy. He's the director, mm. and also if you remember, and I'm not, I don't want to like mention any names let's not mention any names but i bet you remember that there was a woman involved on the job who was a producer who was like classic why not what northerners think fancy media women are like in london did she wear a wear a fur coat i don't know if it was fur there was there was there was certainly bits of it were other bits of animals (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. okay yeah yeah. right and, um, I can't, I can't and, remember. It's, it's 20 years. Like, I, it's, gonna, it's a long time. I'm not going to drop you in it here because it, we yeah. won't mention the person, but it was one of those people who is very, very darling, darling and difficult and just awful and just cutting people off and fucking yeah. people about and being rude. There was uh, a lot of them around around about 2000. They were a breed. I, re- yeah, I, think, yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think there was a lot of there's them. There's probably yeah. a little bit more bedside manner around these days, but... Yeah, that was definitely a breed, yeah, a yeah. hard bitten. Seen it all before. Yeah, kind of yuppies, weren't they? Yeah, well, that was yeah. the that was the phrase back then, right? So, yeah, that, yeah. So the thing is, the first time I saw you, I wouldn't have understood this, but other people were involved. So she was kind of with you because she's obviously part of the production, right? And I'm looking at like, who are these two? And yeah. what it was was that she was being like she was, and you had scribbled, you were scribbling out some basic shots right like you know like you do a storyboard but i remember just thinking i didn't understand why your storyboard wasn't sort of a little bit like what we you know at a pitch level you'd, you would have done like colored illustrations that are actually sort of finished like ad set like proper like 
presentation level, but this was obviously fucking early days. You, know, you hadn't got the job yet, whatever. No, but I hadn't I, got the job. So yeah, when, yeah, when nobody had, to- yeah, yeah, I was so, basically it was my first meeting. Right. So your your memory of me looking, going, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Was literally yeah, yeah. like, what? He's fucking doodling it on a fucking napkin. Who's this fucking clown? Who's this fucking clown? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, exactly, but the I think suspicion the moment, and paranoia. The moment we bonded, right, and you are not, you are not, and never have been, and never will be, a, uh, an overly judgmental, rude, unprofessional type person. But some shit was happening before we even got anywhere near the shoot, and right. you just you just turned round out of exasperation about this person who wasn't who was a nightmare, and you just went, "She's a fucking cunt, like." <laughs> 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 like, you weren't okay. saying it right. I know that's like that sounds like a problematic statement, but I promise you, it was like. And I, I, it I was, do. I do sound like a peasant from a nineteen fifties. <laughs> no, no. John Wayne movie. No, it was entirely. It was entirely <laughs> justified. In fact, yes. I even think I, I've got a feeling that actually, is the kind. Of, it's the kind of word you have to reserve, isn't it? Like for. I, do you know uh, what? You, no. You use it judiciously, and but when you use it, it it, it has to have impact, right? Right. If I'm not mistaken, that was actually in the fucking edit, and she was being fucking dreadful, uh, and everyone all, else, all, hands on, yeah, all yeah. these people were there, and this person walks in, made everyone feel like shit, was really rude, probably dressed you down, complained about whatever, and just fucking swanned off, and the whole room was just like hanging on a tension, and you said that, and it broke the tension. That's, right. Do you remember? It's kind of coming back to me now. And yeah. I'm starting to sort of form yeah. a vision of her again. I probably should have read in my mind. But yeah, she was part of a breed, wasn't she? She was part of a breed that at that time who were yeah. at least 75% obnoxious. Yeah. You know, there's so there's many a lot of, of them. It about, really. Yeah, a lot I mean, of it, yeah. I'm, I'm not in advertising in any sort of meaningful way anymore long enough to to know what the characters are. But certainly... You know, in terms of like the golden period, if you like, of of uh, the reason I wanted to, I did want to go into advertising to start with, because mm. it looked pretty cool and it looked, you know, like your your understanding of it was offices with Venetian blinds, men with red braces, uh, driving off in a Porsche, going for shoots in fucking Hawaii and like three day lunches on yeah. the piss. Uh, with, Don Don Draper. Yeah, well, exactly, and and the the fact is. Is that the people that we encountered then? They were they had been through all that, so they were from those times, you know. Mm. But you know, like we basically joined the party as the party was fucking folding its tables up and yeah, yeah, putting the fucking dirty paper plates into a bin bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Bouncers were going, "Come on, lads, out now! Come on, look, I, at, the I, ti- look at the time." Yeah, like, <laughs> but, but I have to say that for the for the sort of. I was only full time. I went freelance like about a year later and started thinking about trying to do comedy and all that. But got about two or three, two, three, maybe four years out about doing a lot of work with those people in that building. And even though it was all starting to move on, I I did get the dying embers of that absolute sort of party. Mm. Like work is a party. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking amazing. And it was all, yeah. You know, we weren't like I said, we weren't we weren't at the at the fucking centre of it. Those days had gone, but we had they had a fucking good go at and what's funny now is like having worked in creative industries now for all my fucking working life, like twenty five ish years. 
doing in one way or another right yeah yeah yeah. um you know the changes the changes in across these industries one one of the things that's so different like young people now going into those kind of industries have they've got they've they've got to arm themselves with enough with with a with enough to get by with a bunch of skills to actually be seen as useful rather than Mm coming out as like a writer or a designer or just a director or like it's pretty yeah, it's yeah. kind of harsh yeah yeah well i swam i mean I, I swam in that pool for a couple of years but from more or less 2003 2004 i'd moved into long form tv so it's a world i don't know at all now actually how do you, you know? though how do you though connor i mean this is <laughs> had i swam in that is, shallow pool don't, don't make me upset had you had you or were you still working on your dairy farm? <laughs> and um, occasionally um, having a mental episode where you would talk to a barn full of cows as if they were actors Listen, for up to we, three weeks at a time. Uh, okay, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on here, but we agreed that you okay. wouldn't divulge this to your listeners, that you would pretend listen. that I've had a career in the media. All right, listen. You know, I thought, Stick- this is what, I thought this is what we agreed, basically. All right, okay, so listen. Just trust me with the edit. Uh, there's nothing... <laughs> sure, okay, fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I will what send could, you a copy of what, this afterwards. What could possibly go wrong? The, the producer is the same lady that did the Strip for Shelter ad. Oh, great. Um, she's still around, is she? Yeah, yeah she's, she's on board. She's going to be... Yeah, She'll, is she, she mellowed? She, not at all. Great. Uh, she's, okay. Even uh, worse. She's even older and even worse, and even more haggard and bitter. <laughs> Smoking even more fags. Even more. Wow. Gosh. With guess... even more fur clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> just more dead animals draped yeah, around her neck. Yeah. Hell, yeah. 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 Great. She, she now looks like the sort of king of a forgotten tribe. <laughs> Forgotten tribe of fucking horrible media cunts. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, God, yeah. No, who came um, of age? Who came of age in nineteen eighty six? So let's let's just let's just clear this up. Yes. I don't know. Maybe we're we're in. When when we 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 then lived together. What happened was we hit it off. We made this ad. We were really pleased. We met mm. up. I came to meet you. We had a little beer, and it was really intense immediately because I had my girlfriend with me at the time. And we were like three seconds from breaking up. <laughs> and you were like, I was like, so yeah, really great to meet you, man. And you were like, holy fucking shit, that was intense. So like, are you guys all right? And I was like, oh yeah, that's that's just my girlfriend, right? <laughs> and you, yeah, and yeah. You, you were like foreshadowing our demise. <laughs> oh, well, I picked it up because God, your memory is far better than me. So I basically, I, I met you first just as you were about to break up with your girlfriend at the time. Yeah, let's not name names. She, I'm not you know name what? Names. And the thing is, bless her heart, she was actually a lovely, lovely girl. And uh, at, at th- those that time, we discussed girls a lot. We fucking did. We, I mean, yeah, it's let's... more or less all we talked about, right? It was definitely and cinema. It's, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was all dreams. Yeah, dreams, dreams, and you know, f- hormonal frustration (laughs) and um not yeah with that before too long we i was like look you know like this girlfriend's kind of moved in with me but it's gone fucking tits up she's moved out right you needed a place so then yeah yeah. fucking come on then that was in put that was in putney right 
that was in Putney. So yeah. these are the these are the years that will be known forever as the Jonathan Miller years. Yes, yes, our landlord. Oh, yes, my my, my uh, God. Uh, Another positive landlord experience for me. Well, this is why I was a bit annoyed when you were like, oh yeah, and then I well, didn't get my deposit back. And I'm like, uh, if if I'd if I'd have had the foresight to ask you if you had any <laughs> form with landlords. So anyway, so was, Connor and I, we we lived in like the far reaches of like East Putney. Yeah, up the hill, wasn't it near yeah, the common? Right. Fucking had no idea where I was. It was just like London. Yeah. And my, me and my, my workmate, Chris, had first lived there. And then he'd moved out. And then, you know, girlfriend moved in. That went wrong very quickly. Then you moved in. And then, yeah. um, and the place was owned by this kind of like, this 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 man called Jonathan Miller. <laughs> I don't mind I mean, naming what? him because it's such a common name, right? I know, yeah. yeah. And he was, he just, he just, I, all I can say is he just looked, he was the fucking quintessential normal man. Mm. who for some boring reason owns this flat that we're now yeah and you know and he's somewhere else doing his boring job with a drippy nose <laughs> sitting in an office just existing but at least he had his flat in putney that he can rent out and so to the fog of time i'm trying to visualize him did i ever meet him no that, that's interesting you may not have met him i mean he wrote to us i mean i met him Ugh. Don't, you know, let's not let's not blow the story. Sure. So we lived there. I don't know how long for. Probably not more than a year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. yeah now, maybe. Yeah. Our friendship has survived twenty-one years, right? No problem. Mm. Sure. But I would say that in that year and a half, it could have been it could have exploded badly. <laughs> <laughs> We actually moved but, to another place. To be fair, didn't we? We we did we did we that, did we that's moved, where we moved the somewhere else. The Basically, uh, I, I yes. Uh, what was I, one one thing I remember? Because I I was basically a very fucking edgy, annoyed for fuck's sake. What about the dishes? Could you keep the noise down? Type of a flatmate. Yeah, and yeah. You were yeah yeah. You were quite intense. Yeah, I was, yeah. but and I was a, I was a slob basically were, at that well, time. Yeah, like we basically were young enough that it was okay that that's what happened, right? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. totally standard stuff. Just like, yeah, I was already happy to be, you know, I I basically had 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 a bit of a taste of the domestic thing living with girls, right? And I wanted it still to be that, but I could still live with my mates, right? So I'd be like the mum out of the two, if you like. I think you were placing unfair expectations on me, big time. Like that poor twenty-six-year-old. I had no lad. fucking idea, no I mean, idea. You know. Grew up on a family of boys, uh, you right. know. Okay, just... patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Keep going. Exactly. Mum did everything. Yeah, yeah. but that everything. was it. But yeah, but that yeah. but that was actually it because like although I you know I I grew up living in the pub with my mum and my stepdad. By the time I was fourteen, yeah. my mum was going, "Hello, today's the day you, I no longer do your washing." That's how that works, right? Um, wow. We're up. We're running the pub. You're going to be making a full English breakfast. A what? Yeah, you know what's in it. The ingredients are in the shop. There's twenty quid. So, like, to her fucking immense credit, I've like I've bloody moaned about her to therapists in all sorts of ways over the years. But to yeah. her immense credit, early on she was like, "Yeah, that that's your ass. That's your hand. That's how you fucking wipe it. Fuck off, <laughs> right?" Yeah, yeah. It was fucking no, great. No, but let me just put the record straight here. Mm. I was taught how to clean my arse as look, well. You're, look, you, I won't. I won't. You know, at a quite a young age, I might add. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I'm not knocking before, your ass. I'm not knocking be, your ass. Before this, you know, escalates any further. But but we li- we lived together. Than me. And I'd lived with Chris as well, my mate, who like uh did And how did I how did I compare it to him? Was I worse? It was the or? fucking same. It's the same, right. Okay. Hairy men leaving chest hair yeah. all over the floor. Well, let's see. You got that thing about the hair. I remember you saying to me, you molt. And I was like, I'm not a cat. I remember you using that word molt. And I yeah, was no, like, but you know what? Where the thing, I, I now realise where I, what, the, the bit of the adding up that I didn't do in my head. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you didn't have to feel bad of the hair falling off. It's just that at some point, someone was supposed to fucking clean the floor. Yeah, there's that part. Yeah, You're right. Part. So we weren't yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, yeah. I'm still not great at cleaning, to be fair. But anyway, like for what, whatever reason, I would get myself <laughs> into you, you get into like a fucking Basil a, Faulty, basically. Well, you get into a tizzy, and you yeah, go, you go, you go, you go silent. Patronise me, <laughs> but you go silent, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, 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 what's going on here? Like, what, what's, what's up with him? What's incredible, right, is all that was okay, but what's what's lacking? Apart yeah. from we were just like young. What's lacking? is I wouldn't have known really until maybe even in the last fucking five years of my life, being completely honest, how to handle. All I had to do was say, listen, dude, mm. this thing's getting to me a bit. We need a solution to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, why don't we? Oh, I didn't realize. Okay, all right. Well, why don't we have a rotor? Or why don't we? Sure, fuck it. Should we pay for a cleaner every two weeks? Or like that would have been, it could have been so easily solved. It could but, have been, yeah. But what I, but what I preferred to do yeah. All the way until not very long ago, after years of therapy, was <laughs> fucking build up the anger and Brood. not know how to say what I wanted to say. And then, yeah, you weren't the first, right? There was there was a few situations I got into in my mid to late twenties where, when something was really pissing me off, I would try and communicate it. But what I would do is I would write a letter, and it you would, write a letter. Did I you would, write a letter to me? I did. I fucking wrote a. I wrote. Dear Mr. Morrissey, did you really do that? <laughs> I did, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, I'm actually amazed that you don't remember it because it, it you, you must... wrote, a, you wrote, you did I, did you post the letter through no, my, under, I... under my bedroom door? Probably. <laughs> or left, or I went away for a weekend and left it in the kitchen, and it was like, oh my god. But 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 I... the thing is, right? What it could all it what it could have said, adult, aware, post therapy. Uncle Nico yes. knows that that letter could have been a postcard, and it could have said, "Dude, when I get back, can we have a chat about, you know, just a few fucking ground rules?" Because, and I'll tell you what, one of the yeah, things yeah. was it's so petty, but it, but right. it was it was genuinely annoying. But you would you would innocently come in of a night and go, All "Right, I'll stick the washing machine on, I'll go to bed." Your bed was right round the other end of the flat. The washing machine was on the other <laughs> side of the wall, and it fucking shook my bed. Now, all I had to do was say, dude, but instead, yeah, you, you could have, you know, there, there's I would a be in a silent rage for about a month. Wow. And then I'd be thinking, I'm going to find a way of yeah, that's channeling this. this. That, that is ridiculous that you took on so much. Yeah, but when I think about it, right. You literally just sort of, you know, dissolve your your interior dissolved. Oh, eating me alive. Yeah, <laughs> it was eating me alive. Well, you could have just said to me, don't put the yeah. washing machine on at 11 p.m., which yeah. I, I but, probably should have figured that out but, myself. Yeah, fair enough. But but what's interesting is I didn't know it was okay. I didn't know how to approach it because if if you didn't agree or you told me to shut up or what, get over it or 
fucking hell, mate, or whatever, or we argued, it would have, at that point in my life... You would have had a heart attack. Yeah, it just just <laughs> did not have the software. <laughs> so like, what I would do is ignore whatever was pissing me off about whoever, like, boy, yeah. mates, nearly said boyfriends then. I've never had a boyfriend, <laughs> nothing against it. Might try it no, at some no. point. But yeah, sure. girlfriends, mates, parents, sister, whoever. Like, whatever the thing is, the whatever the perceived slight was, it would fucking grow into like a like yeah. a tumour the size of a house. Sort of a, a oh, mushroom, cloud in, your, a mushroom cloud in your soul. And wow. then I'd move on to the next person. Like, I can't <laughs> bear this person anymore. And I'd yeah. move on to the next person. And then obviously I'd be pissed off again because he didn't know... But I remember though. I remember. I do remember you finally confronting me, and I, I remember it just being. <laughs> I remember it. But no, but I remember it, it. It being a little. You know, it wasn't. You kind of. It was a little off offhand. It was. It wasn't. It was quite casual. But I suppose you probably spent about three days preparing. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I would have oh, been wow. trying to downplay it because I, I yeah, would have been terrified. But but actually, in my in my I was wrong. But in my in my mind my worst fears sort of popped up and then I, I would have been like, ah, it doesn't matter, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying whatever. Because what, what I, I said to you, you did a classic defensive thing. You did the step back, arms folded. Oh, did I? Wow, you, did, okay. you did a partridge face. And oh. and you, your words were, what are you saying, like, I'm a fucking slob, like? I didn't say that. You did. I would not have no. made that. I promise you. Like, I came at you, you didn't like it, and you said, what are you fucking saying? And, and I was... Like, neither of us knew what to do. It was no, so man. horrible. It, it was, was really horrible. But wow. anyway, you know. Gosh. Your, then, memory, your memory is really good. Oh, when it, when it comes to the... When it comes to uh, perceived slights, yeah, it's... Oh, in, God, yeah. It's it's, like it's, 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 it's 4K. Razor sharp. <laughs> it's, four, it's 8K. <laughs> yeah, I invented... 8K actually got invented from some psychologist plugging my fucking yeah. brainwaves into... Look at this oh guy. God. Oh, my God. Look, look at the Jesus angst. Christ. We've run out of angst ink. <laughs> yeah. Look at the clarity of the perceived threat. It's incredible. <laughs> And uh, but then what happened was that's when you you started seeing your now wife. Yes. Right. Right. And yeah. so, this was even funnier. She appears on the scene. Yeah. And after years of just shoveling fucking whatever you can heat up into your gob and leaving underpants everywhere, <laughs> suddenly there's fucking ro- there's like flowers in a vase on the table, and Jesus, you're yeah. and you're like being super clean because this girl's coming around and then yeah. she she arrived and was like knocking together amazing salads and and yeah, and, you're, and, and I'd, I'd like walk in thinking all right so he's he's got some girl around now right you know fair enough and uh but you'd be like oh hi nico yeah we were just having some um, amazing salads okay right yeah sorry i've just been tidying the cupboard okay great okay so where do you think we should put all the clean dishes and whatever and like and i was just looking at you thinking you piece of fucking you shit piece of shit <laughs> you piece of shit you phony but at the yeah. same time i was also like i did almost like jealous ex-girlfriend kind of well you're welcome to him <laughs> <laughs> That's what it got like, like yeah. in a really nice way. Yeah. And and uh, you have no idea what's down the road, believe me. But anyway, yeah, happy yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh uh, yeah. You, well, uh, good luck. Good luck looking after his underpants. I think you'll find that uh, if you're looking for them, you'll think you'll find. Where are they? Let me think. Oh yes, all over the fucking house. 
<laughs> but then like oh, actually you two just swept off together and fucking you were off and running and uh yeah well I, well we decided because when our our second house was coming to a close we were kind of talking about moving in together and I, obviously i was really nervous about that i was thinking well how's that going to be is that going to just ruin everything you know i, I was quite angsty about the whole moving in with the girlfriend yeah, thing. often does doesn't it yeah 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 but actually you know it turned out okay you know but hey you've done all right I remember i remember probably i remember like talking to you about it and going oh, like but it was all this kind of like what if what if and and um but you know oh yeah just... i mean at that age i mean that's what it's all about and i i went yeah. through it hugely myself like um before literally two months before getting married back in 2006 i curled up in a ball <laughs> <laughs> And that said, is so and said, unlike I think you, you. I, I think you need to phone my mum. I literally, I literally was like, my my demons had come for me fully, yeah. like you know, based you know, family kind of like, oh my god, like didn't grow up with my dad, mum and stepdad, not a nice relationship, like now I'm I've I've asked someone to marry me, and my innards have just fucking <laughs> fallen dissolved. to the bottom of the like, just like yeah, just completely yeah, it was mental, but. But you you cracked on. But I did get my revenge. I my you know it was a very very sweet sweet thing when you said, "Would you do me the honor of of writing?" Oh no, it, no. It was, basically, it was like you got married. Yes, and I couldn't in, I couldn't in, make it at the time. You couldn't. In, yeah, we got married in Rome, and you couldn't make it. You but I wrote. The... I wrote. Oh, you did. <laughs> I yeah. fucking wrote. And obviously, I hadn't even written any comedy yet, right? So it was that frustrated comedian thing. I basically wrote a thing slating you that that maybe yeah. I, I assume your brother or someone must have had to read out or. Well, no, my 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 brother read it out. My brother is this kind of, you know, he's pretty stoic. Yeah, yeah. Man, Irish man, a few words, and yeah, he yeah. was reading your words, which only added <laughs> to the effect, and basically. Your angle on the speech, which was read out to about 90 guests, was you were basically playing the jilted woman. <laughs> I wonder if you still got that somewhere. I don't know. Well, you know what I have? What I have is a, a wedding video. Oh, amazing. Uh, so it's on the wedding video and it's, it's priceless <laughs> because it's just basically you, you know, laying into me yeah. and basically saying, you know, look, you know, it's all going to end badly because, <laughs> you know, he, he's... <laughs> You know he's trouble, and um, I should I should know because you know because yeah we, we, I've been the one picking up we, his underpants for the last two years and all that right yeah oh, yeah, 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 yeah fucking hell it was but, great it was great but what's lovely is that um you know that that reason we'd we'd become mates and got together in the first place we were nowhere near there yet but there was like a I don't know there was just like even in a little moment like that the first mates that asked me to do best man. Mm. That's that is as as much as um as us doing the ad, for example. My mate Don was the first person asked me. I've ended up being best man about six times because they know they're gonna get a speech of someone who's desperate to make everyone laugh, right? Yeah. So yeah. like my the first time I did that, that was ninety nine, yeah, I think. And um that was my first experience of standing up in front of a lot of people reading something out, hoping for a laugh. And obviously everyone goes through that at some point most men have had had to do that for someone at some point and uh it's a yeah. proper rite of passage but for me it was more than that it was like come on i've been a coward all these years i've not gone anywhere near comedy being being a comedy fan and after that it was like oh my god like the floodgates opened it all felt like the only thing stopping you now is that you're being a fucking pussy 
Mm, yeah, yeah, sure. Do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So like, yeah, yeah. so then I let that eat me alive for about another four years. <laughs> another 20 years. And, and then, then... That was when I lived with yeah. uh, Sharon, bless her heart. And, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, so she got the angsty. I was basically angry at myself for not being a comedian yet during those years. So that would have been fun for her. Yeah, I'd say you, you, you must have been a laugh to minute, a laugh oh, a minute was, to, to coexist with. Yeah. Just fucking swinging wow. from one angst tree to the next for a decade. <laughs> But funny times, man. Yeah, great times. Well, yeah, great mad times. But then you look back, and yeah, you look back at that all the, all you know th- that time when you're starting off in the business, and you're just trying to claw your way in. It was it's 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 mad. And like London was such a, it was such a, a maze at that stage, you know. Mm. And you're just and, trying to find your way, and, you know. And for the people, and for the people listening, uh, like. A really sweet thing happened uh, earlier this year. Was it February, January, mm-hmm. where finally you you got you hired me? Well, you, not that it was your choice, but you you put me up, and then I got the job as as that little bit on the standards, right? Was, who, whose choice do you think it was? It was my choice. Don't say that. It sounds like nepotism. <laughs> but the, the powers that be at the at the oh, top yeah, floor sure. of the BBC said it's got to be that guy. It's, no, they did say damn, that because da- be damned all the rumours about nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you were the man for the job. I knew it. I knew it. So you got me in and had that excellent day, like such a fucking funny day, to mm. to in in the middle of fucking lockdown and all that like scary COVID filming and all that. That's right. Right. I did, yeah. did that scene in EastEnders with Danny Dyer and mm. the lovely is it Rose? What's her real uh, name? Yeah. It's Rose, Rose yeah, who's, yeah, who's currently in Strictly, yeah. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Lovely, lovely girl. Amazing and, girl, yeah, yeah. And um, you got me in to be like dickhead fucking security mm. guard in car park. And, yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Jobsworth, yeah. And what's funny is like, so I've been doing my job for like 18, 15 to 18 years, somewhere in the middle. And uh, certainly haven't done anywhere near enough acting. And it's it's much to my chagrin. And um, you need to do more. Well, you know, we want we want to, don't we? And you we know, do. But, but and that's all good. But but it was like it was such a sweet thing after us being mates for this long that mm. for, on a real job you were doing EastEnders and you, you you know you've you've done a fair bit of that now and that's like really fucking you know it's it's a big old show and uh, you've got to, you've got to have the fucking nuts to pull it off like when 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 a when a job like that lands on you so like. That's been really great seeing you 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 do that because we obviously have years where we're not that in touch. You're away and you've been in Ireland, you've been in Rome. Mm. Yeah. It all sounds very glamorous. Yeah, yeah um, well, mm, glamorous. Mm. But but obviously both of us have caught up many times over the years. Going, so how's the fucking dream weaving going? Huh? You mm. know, and it's like, well, you know, bits and bobs, a few kicks in the nuts. Now and again, yeah. for a special treat, you get stamped on the nuts. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. And like now and again, you get your nuts tickled, but then yeah, someone yeah. punches you in the face. Uh, yeah. And right. then you get then you get harpooned in your nuts. I've been harpooned in my nuts right. a couple of times. That's exactly. Fucking yeah, yeah. hell, haven't we both? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I've probably already gone on about it, and I won't go into it now. But you know, it's got it's the you know that that journey of the career has got so bad. Like three years ago, that I literally had to give up my home for a bit and. Never, I've never felt more despondent and like adrift, and like I'm, it's time to admit that this fun journey is now so uh, almost humiliating that it'd be it'd be kinder just to inject it and put it down, and just sort of move on and do something else and don't worry about it. You had fun; it's gone. But but we know, we were we we saw quite a bit of each other at that time, didn't we? And we kind of which was yeah we, we did yeah. We, we we talked a lot and. 
you know, the idea of you giving up always seemed ridiculous to me because it's just entirely, you were entirely, it's entirely your thing. And, you know, I think. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, you know like. It, 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 I, I never knew you would because I know just how talented you are. And the, the idea that you would go off and do something else always seemed ridiculous. I mean, you just had to just pull yourself back up, you know. It was a, yeah, I mean, that's it. I think, I think like, it's not like it's beyond the. Uh, that was an interesting thing to go through. That that level of uh, of of, th- of things falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking good lesson because it's like you don't get to just do this just because it's what you wish you were doing. You know, like it's you know, like it's fucking capitalism. If mm. you need to go and fucking work in a pub, that is what you'll do. If you get stuck working in that pub, and you've got a child to feed, and then someone offers you doing something that isn't ideal and that's how i mean that's what fucking everyone's doing so yeah, fucking, well, so like i had a very very present voice for myself at that time going this isn't about what you wish you were doing this is about fucking surviving now so like fucking get over yourself and yeah. do what you need to do but but it is obviously it was lovely when things started to pick up a bit and you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put any uh any silly predictions out there but suddenly in the last few months there's been some much much nicer um you know there's been there's been some like flames coming back on that you'd completely forgotten about and uh you know it's nice to know that that it can that you can't guarantee it and that you should be yeah grateful for anything that comes along that's fun to do yeah but, and everything uh, that comes your way, you you hmm. just give it your best, really. You just know, give because it, give it socks, as they say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's fucking yeah, yeah. fucking yeah, hardcore. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about, right? So, back in the day, right? Obviously, okay. What I'll say is as well, I've written a film, in slowly over the last two or three years, it's come together to a point where I'm quite happy with it, and you know, it's not it's not like a big big film, but. Connor and I, like got Connor on board as the man I'd love to direct it. We are touting this thing around at the moment, trying to see if we can get someone to, you know, give us the nod to shoot it right. So, like, if if anyone out there, you know, has any, uh, uh, you know, grassroots, any, any, grassroots cinematic, any, any cash? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone's got two hundred grand. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. No, but just seriously, please give me two hundred grand. No, checks but in the postal envelope. Basically, say like if you look at like um, the BFI cinema sort of uh, on South Bank, and what you've got there is you've got like the home of the sort of film industry, but there's like a grassroots side of it all where you get these little film festivals and you get you mm, get like yeah. people like Creative England and the BFI and whatever, like so. When you think, how do people end up getting into things like film? Like, I mean, to be fair, we're we're, you know, in the mid period of our careers, shall we say? But certainly, haven't I haven't got any reputation whatsoever in cinema? But we're we're basically now saying, look, we've done loads of stuff. This is a moment we want a little chance to do a bit of cheap, cheap, cheerful, and beautiful cinema, and then you make your point, you make a film if it ever gets anywhere and even ends up like on some video on demand service and it gets shown in yeah, two yeah. curzon cinemas three times like you fucking basically you've made a movie well done or even three curzon cinemas twice i exactly. mean either way it's fine hey, hey, look six six sixes and sevens <laughs> yes or sixes and sixes but um 
so basically at the moment we we've got a project that we're, we're that we're dicking around with but because we've both basically worked in more in telly and like this is this is me sort yeah. of almost asking you things I would would be asking you off record but you know and what what have you what have you got like what would you when 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 these people say all right let's have a look at some stuff mm. like i know you've got a reel but have you like because you like work in tv like obviously you'd have a reel that's like here's all the things i've done that prove that i'm delivering fucking shows that are like busy sure, busy yeah. busy go 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 but have you got like a separate little cut of of a reel that is like your favorite cinematic kind of shots and moments and is that a different thing or do you just have like one yeah. reel well i was yeah i would have i would have a reel that would feature heavily um the TV work, the more cinematic end of the TV work that I've done before I came over and worked on EastEnders here, I did um, a show for Irish TV called Red Rock yeah. and um, which was a great, great little show and it was picked mm. up by Amazon Prime and mm. I ended up doing 12 or 13 episodes across two seasons wow, and we, lot, we, we yeah, it was great, yeah, yeah we got to Were do they hours? Uh, yeah, first the first season two was half hours so I did more than Overall, though, I think it was I did about twelve or thirteen episodes. Then season mm. two, it became an hour-long show, and it became post watershed. Oh, right. But I mean, that show was great in that it was you know it was just a good bunch of writers and a good bunch of directors, and it wasn't a big budget, but we were all really passionate about it, and we kind mm. of made a show that punched well above its weight. So I'm I'd be still very happy to show scenes from that. But I mean, more than any of my TV work. I think the shorts I've made yeah. are probably this the is closest. what I was trying to get to, and like I said, like this would be like probably what we'll have a, if we if we we can have a beer tomorrow, aren't we? We are, yeah. Awesome. We're going. I'm, I'm seeing you in Soho. So one thing I'm very excited about is going right. So now because you know, again, I'm not I'm, touch wood. Some people have seen of of showing a bit of interest in the film. Fuck knows what will happen with it. It'd be lovely if it ever happened, but regardless of that that journey. I've I've been dying to sit down with you and go, like I I want you I just I want to see some of those bits because I remember you did a short film years ago that had so much fucking tension in it right and what it was it was something it was you'll be I'll I'll let you continue the story but there was a, there was a couple in a house and there was a sinister fucking element to some presence or something that everyone was waiting to happen and yeah, the guy yeah. in it you'll you'll obviously be able to tell me his name but the for the for the for the listeners. If I'm not mistaken, was he not the guy that played? Was it Davos in Game of Thrones? Yeah, he was the, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, Liam Cunningham. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. fantastic actor. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So tell tell us yeah. about that short film. Okay, so that short film was made. Um, uh, so basically, so the Irish version of say the BFI uh, or Screen mm. England is the is Screen Ireland. So this is our kind of that's our government sort of national film agency mm -hmm. um and at the time they had a scheme called was it shortcuts or signatures basically they 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 made about five or six short films a year but the films were budgeted there was a really generous budget for them so they would they'd put out a call and they'd get all these scripts sent in and they would choose five projects uh and each project, I think we were given 75,000 to make a 10 minute film, right? which was great. You know, so basically it meant what that you were making a 10 minute feature film. You had the money to get in, you know, the right kit and get 
the right crews and stuff. So and this would be what so year? This was two thousand and six, I think. Two thousand six. So, like, uh, right to now, be fair, seventy five grand. That, that however many years, uh, fifteen years ago, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. Not bad for ten minutes. No, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, so we got to, yeah, it was all set at night time, the, sh- the short. And um, yeah, the short actually came from um, a very vivid nightmare I had. Right. And, and in the nightmare, you I... You were living I, with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was basically while you were spontaneously combusting by not being able to express yourself. And what was this presence outside your bedroom <laughs> yeah, door? yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um no but i had this yeah i had this really vivid dream which stayed with me and, th- and that uh, the this idea in the dream stayed with me and i wrote and i wrote a script based around that and then it was selected and, and um and we got to make it and it was just a joy i got to work with liam cunningham and orla brady and um the film did a lot of did, did really well on the circuit he's got such a fucking serious face hasn't he oh he's got a great face what yeah a face. Great, he's, he's a great face but what was the concept what was well, yeah, I mean, I mean, and have it, you still got it? Like, can we show yeah, that to the guys that we are trying to flirt with? Of course, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, tell I, tell I, us I, what I, happens, or, or like, or, or would you rather? Can have you got it available anywhere where I could put it on Patreon and we can go? Here's Connor's short film from 2006. Yeah, yeah. What I what I do is I have I have the whole film on Vimeo. I'll, I'll just send oh, you a cool. link. I'll, I'll send you a link, right? Yeah, man. But like when it like when it comes to talking to film people. The, the, this this stuff is obviously it's a it's a serious level above TV because you've more time and mm. we shot it on super thirty five mil and this it's is a pri- this is what I'm this is basically what I've been hope like because we we're trying to keep getting together when you're over here like you're here you're yeah. Connor's actually in England at the moment you're right well I hope you are because we're having a pint tomorrow um, <laughs> yes I am I can but where are you based in- Mister Fancy Pants Mister Fancy Pants <laughs> based in where is based in 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 Finchley is that is Finchley? No, family? I mean usually is, dildo. Where's Finch... your family? Oh, we uh, we live in Rome. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, ooh, yeah. when in Rome. Oh. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> no, I just can't resist. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, um... so yeah, so we are meeting for a pint tomorrow. Um, we're not meeting for a pint in Italy. I'm actually in Finchley, and I'm going right. to take the Northern Line down to probably Leinster Square, and I'll see you. Right. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, because. I'd love I to. Feel, I'd that, love that, to be able to throw the film up, sort of like on the back of this episode going out. Yeah, I'll send. I'll send. I'll send you a link afterwards. And um, it's. Um, I would suggest you watch it in the dark with headphones on. That's okay. uh, that's that's the way to watch it. But um, it's a film I'm very proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when when we are, you know, basically trying to convince whoever is out there in these kind of like. Um, the way it's really weird. Like, if anyone out there is wondering how do films get made, it's yeah. a fucking different world from TV. TV is basically there's a building that's where a TV channel is. Yeah. Here's another building that's where a TV production company is. TV yeah. production company finds people, tries to get cheap labor out of them to get ideas going, and then if everyone likes each other, then they'll say, "We think this guy's great. Have you got any money we could give him?" And then they could try and write a f- script or whatever. And then if in, in, in if a miracle happens after like a pilot gets made then like that tv channel pays a fucking shitload of money for however many episodes and da 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 but with yep. movies obviously yeah. everyone know everyone's aware there are like movie studios and there are big names you hear like disney and pixar and fucking lionsgate and 
you know, even though it's a dirty word now, Miramax. Sure, and, I mean that's and, that's the, that's the, that's the higher end, but it's it is very the problem with with movies and cinema is that there's really very little money in it, and you know most mm. people, you know your 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 day job is 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 directing TV, and then you've got your passion projects which you develop as you go along. But but it's, um, but basically you know, the, the the way films come together, um, you know there'll be people who say there'll still be sort of a production company of some sort, and mm-hmm. some people might get an idea together and a script and whatever but it's almost like the really the thing that i'm finding intriguing is the advice i'm getting is no don't don't sort of say can i make a film you basically have to go we're making a film this is the film we're making yes and you start you start basically treating it as if it's a wedding that's fucking happening right on a date and that's when it is and you're booking all the things and you're doing all the whatever and while you're doing that you will go to people who know people who are who invest in films right and it's it's a completely alien language to me i'm not going to pretend by any means that i know what i'm talking about yet but from what well, i've think, seen yeah. from what i've seen the people have already mentioned as an example bfi creative england if if you manage to convince them that you've got an angle here and you've got a film that would be worth making and they think would be a sweet piece of thing they could get behind Someone will go, yeah, okay. We we have basically a safe full of money, and over over a year, you know, you know, safe not full not of money. you know, not you know, not literally cash, obviously, but so you know, stay will decide who can, yeah, okay, we we'll fund we'll fund your thing, and yeah. it's kind of interesting because even like beginners and nobodies and fucking students and whatever, all you know, these places are open. To these doors, they're they're basically begging for people to knock on their doors and say, "Hello, I'm a young plucky person who's got an idea, and I want fifty grand, or I want a hundred grand, or I want, you know, can you give me ten grand to make a little animation?" And it's actually, it's definitely. I realize how difficult it is. Like the guy, the guys that we're talking to, one of them, he just casually said in the meeting, five percent of the films that get made get get seen." I just went, "Oh, don't say that." <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty sobering, isn't it? So, like, yeah. a lot of stuff gets made, yeah, and it might end up being in in a program on a film festival, and that's brilliant. And everyone yeah, goes to a thing, and you get your picture taken, and then you go, "What happened to your film?" And it's just like, well, the world yeah. didn't care about it, like yeah, in some yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so, like, but the point it's, I'm making is for the for the for the budding creatives out there, is that actually getting a thing made isn't the hard bit. It's all about distribution and mm. anyone giving Get, well, a getting, shit getting after it, it. Getting it seen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, getting yeah. It seen. And that's uh, getting it seen. That's that's the thing because, yeah, the whole you know you're putting years of effort into something that just doesn't get seen. It's it's uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty soul destroying, you know. Yeah, um, and there's some amazing stories out there. Like one of my favorite books, again, like just like anyone out there who's who's uh, interested in storytelling filmmaking on one on whatever level i would say a really inspiring book is the story of handmade films which is Mm. um, they did the life of brian they did basically handmade films was set up by george harrison and a sort of uh you know a money man like a hedge fundy type investor guy Hold on, was George Harrison Dennis... not the money man? He's a Beatles. He was sure. All right, the so money George man. Harrison was minted, but this guy was yeah. called Dennis O'Brien, and basically, Dennis George Harrison, as a total like loving creative guy and a hippie and total like, 
he basically wanted to go, I just want to help, you know, get films made, you know, and if I want you to graft, you'll graft, right, you know? And Dennis O'Brien's obviously schmoozed him and gone, I will handle the business. You just need to be, you're like the sexy reason people want to come to us with film ideas, but you've also got loads of money, and if he believed in a film, he would go, this is fucking great, I'm, I'll pay for it, I'll pay for it. That actually well, happened, it, yeah. you're right, with Life of Brian, which was... Well, was handmade handmade not formed because because a major studio had backed the life of brian yes. and then the studio exec read the script of life of brian and went there's no way we're making this film it's I, and, and i believe and, they were actually already shooting it and then someone went what the fuck are you shooting what, this thing what for? the fuck are you shooting this thing yeah, yeah so fucking george harrison and then I would I would advise people to read the book in case I'm just like making this up, but George Harrison I'm pretty sure visits the set and comes in and saves the film and means that they can complete it right. So they were already shooting, were they? I, that's how I remember it. Please right. tell me in the comments, listeners, if I'm talking bullshit. In fact, I loved that book about handmade films so much. I'd like to. I don't think I've got. I'm not still got I've a copy of it. It's I, an amazing book. It. Yeah, I've never right. read it. So here's the thing, right? Handmade Amazing company, films. right? Amazing company. Flash in the pan, burned bright, died out, right? So what that what that story is in a nutshell is handmade films, exactly what you've just described, doesn't exist. Then it's like George Harrison wants to save Life of Brian. Uh, I don't know whether or, whether or not they then do Holy Grail, but the other films that they made... Oh, no, Holy the, Grail was, was before. Off the yeah. top of my head... Handmade films in a few wonderful years made The Long Good Friday. Yes. One of my favourite films. Mona Lisa. Yes. Actually, did they make The Long Good Friday? Pass. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this. But they yeah. definitely made they made Mona Lisa. Yeah, they did make Mona Lisa. Yeah, Neil Jordan, Irish director, great director. Um they made Oh, did fuck. handmade handmade um did they not make some mike lee films like life is sweet no they didn't and some of those great films that mike lee made in the late 80s right. i thought they were wait handmade here. wait here oh no i'm just handmade films right okay handmade films let's let's find the filmography okay here we go 79 monty python is the first one so that's right yeah okay, terry yeah. jones and john mckenzie directing 1980, The Long Good Friday. Great film. 1981. Yeah. Yeah, right. Which actually, Long Good Friday, I can't I can't honestly say I've got a, a film I love more than that. It's it's, about, it's it's the perfect film. It is the perfect film. Fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. Here's, here's, here's the filmography. 1980, The Long Good Friday. 1981, Time Bandits. Tell, oh, yeah, Terry, that, Terry Gilliam. Yeah, that was Gilliam's fantasy. Yeah, ex extraordinary. Did yeah. well, but underrated and kind of like didn't quite land. Something called well, Tattoo, Venom, The Burning, right? So they're not big films. Right? No. But also, 1982, Monty Python Live at the Hollywood Bowl, Scrubbers, yeah. the famous kind of like ladies' prison thing that had like Pam St. Clements, who went on to be Pat Butcher and loads of Pat Butcher, yeah, yeah, Gillian Tailforth and all them, like yeah, all the, all the yeah, Cockney yeah. girls, The yeah, Missionary. Yeah. Privates yeah. on Parade, 1983, Bullshot, written by Dick Clement, as in Clement and Lefray, and, and Bullshot, Lefray, yeah, yeah. I think, was it tanked. A Private Function, starring John Cleese, which is actually really funny. Yes. A massive one, Water, 
massive failure. Lost some shitloads of money. Nineteen eighty six, Mona Lisa, another one of my absolute all time favourites. Shanghai Surprise with Madonna and Sean Penn, massive failure. Wow, okay, that's a bit of a sideways right. leap, isn't it? From now, Neil Jordan. What's happening here is Harrison's getting behind all these films, Dennis O'Brien's getting all the money, everyone's angry, everyone's having a great time, but it's fucking chaos. Mm. Right? But the subtext is Dennis O'Brien is basically bent financially and George Harrison hasn't got enough about him in terms of business and financial sense to know this is happening for many many years and fucking this guy is slowly fucking him into the ground right squirreling money away fucking just totally dodgy as fuck right so uh 1987 with nail and I I mean I mean, and hey. the, even just the story, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah, yeah. Bruce Robinson, Bruce Robinson, who it says here he directed it, but I, re, I know he wrote yeah, it. No, I didn't no, realize, he, Bruce didn't, Robinson wrote and directed it. I didn't realize it's, he directed it. Again, yeah, it is, yeah. name a better film, you know, like the yeah, perfect indie film, the perfect British film. Just it's a thing of beauty, fucking thing of beauty, thing and, of beauty. and 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 one of my favorite things about that, and it's something that I, you know, in my very humble way at the start of our film that we've got going, instead of writing a script, I actually wrote the diary. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. wrote the diary yeah. of, of my are, memory good, of that it's time. A, it's a good way to start. It's a good in, isn't it, for the process? I and that was nicked off Bruce Robinson because he wrote with Neil and I, I think, I don't know what the what the actual title of his diary was, but he 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 lived through that period. And the, like the day his mate moved out, I forget the guy's name. It's kind of, kind of quite well known in with Neil and I yeah. fan circles. But the, it's like me and you living together. And the day you move out, I sit down and go, "Wow, did, I, I did need you, to write that." Did you keep a diary of our time together? <laughs> no, just the bitter letters that I wrote you. No, well, not that you need a diary because your memory is so laser sharp, especially when it comes <laughs> yeah. to perceived slights. Because I'm so motivated by. <laughs> Um, injustice, <laughs> minor minor domestic injustice, yeah. minor domestic injustice. That's your specialty. <laughs> That's where so much energy is, you know. But yeah, sick. right. So listen, wow. Bruce Bruce Robinson writes this novella. Seventeen years later, right? He writes a novella about his time living with his friend, and I'm I'm gonna remember what the name is, and I'll put it in the in my little blurb before the episode. Um, yeah. He writes this novel. Seventeen years later, the cameras turn on, on, uh, on Withnail and I. So basically, that must have happened in nineteen seventy, which makes yeah. sense when you think about it, because it's all flares and fucking Jimi yeah. Hendrix and shit, isn't it? You know. Well, he was Bruce Robinson at that time. Was this kind of beautiful young actor? He was yes. Very bohemian. He was like incredibly handsome, and he was part of that whole late sixties set. Um, and- I- he played some leads as well, didn't he? He played some leads in some films. He, I think, he was... I think, yeah, yeah, I think he did. But he never, he never got his big moment. And and yeah. actually, that 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 inspires me as well because I've I've not had my sort of I've not I've not been grabbed by the big grabber that makes you shiny and famous and whatever. But you've been pe- harpooned in the nuts. I've been harpooned in the nuts. But <laughs> but it's beautiful to think. Do you know what, Bruce Robinson? found his way of making his mark and it's okay if you've got to go the back channels and fight for your art and all that and so reading Bruce Robinson's what's Bruce Robinson's book called Bruce Robinson I've never read it oh mate but it's a classic I yeah it's on my that's on my 
to read list definitely book 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 i know i'm being really unprofessional here but it's a podcast we're not on a, we're not on i mean you really think i really think you should have done your research before this i mean it's just firstly he's actually got you can buy the screenplay of uh, with nail and i which is amazing to read because this the uh i have actually got a copy of that well, the wonder, stage direction how much of it was are, are written like prose so that's why i did that with i know you got you went through it and cut quite a bit of it out for good reason but mm. but in terms of getting it out of your system sure yeah bruce robinson's stage directions are beautiful uh, and what's the um was you know is there is there did they basically shoot the script or was this film heavily improvised because it feels i well, know well, he, re- feel- he wrote it but it would have been a bit loose i think but yeah yeah Oh, all those fucking lines, man! Like no, those they'd have to have been scripted. Bruce the Robinson, lines are so perfect. Autobiography is called "Smoking in Bed." Is the one okay? Great title. Now that, I mean, he was like, yeah, like that that romantic idea of a slightly messy chain smoking guy who has a glass of wine on the go while he writes at fucking ten in the morning. Mm-hmm. Which I may have thought was romantic at one point, but now realise well, that kind of person sounds like your ideal flatmate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I can highly recommend reading the story of handmade films. I'm just going to finish the filmography, just in case there's any more belters in there. Where were we? With Nail and I. Just say whether you've heard of it or not, okay? From now on, With Nail and I. Yes. Oh, sorry, we're back to handmade, are we? Yeah, I'm going back onto okay. the filmography. So- we're on 1987 with Nail yes. and I. Yes. Bellman and True. Pass. Did they even come out? No, it's not even been rated. The Lonely Passion of Judith Hearn. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Really? That's with the, I've, I've well, I've heard of it. I haven't seen okay. it. It's with um. Oh, what's that woman from Downton Abbey? The actor. Oh really? Okay. Um, what's her name? The Dame fam- Maggie Smith. Dame Maggie Smith. Yeah. Right. She, she, yeah. Just keep this moving. Track, track twenty nine. <laughs> Nicholas Rogue. Oh, Nicholas. Yes Rogue. or no? Uh, I haven't seen it. Five Corners, Tony Bill. No. The Raggedy, the Raggedy Rawney, directed by Bob Hoskins. What? So Hoskins, no. Hoskins got that? his first director credit on the back of doing the other stuff with him, right? And he fucking, he deeply loved handmade films, but by this point, the the things in on its ass, right? Sure. Um, how to get ahead in advertising? So Dude. that was yes. That was Bruce Rock. That was like the follow-up yes. to Whitnail, and it completely bombed. It bombed. I remember there was like a bizarre concept there that basically the Richard E. Grant character grows a little Richard E. Grant on his shoulder. He, he grew. He grew a, a a replica of his own head out of his head, but out obviously, head. I'm not sure and any it, era of graphics or whatever would ever have made that not be shit. But yeah, yeah especially is, not in 1991. It's a tough watch. Yeah. But I love Richard E. Grant so much and it's it's so misguided. But there are certain films that even though they're bad, I would put that on. If I saw that on Amazon, I go looking for weird films on Saturday nights. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. So I, would you I just watch get it? so bored of like modern cinema and I go I yeah. I would I have over the over the years I have at some point watched that and gone what went wrong because I've just been reading about how it went wrong, so I was like, "Oh, I want to I want to watch it now to know why." You know, because it's like, oh, like here's you read a book about how a film goes tits up, right? Then well, watching the film after up? that, well, it's just fucking all over the place. The whole thing didn't work. They were working it out as they were going along, 
and and I've known people who are work, who have, and I'm not going to name names again, but I know two lads who are fucking great guys who got the chance to work with Coogan and O'Reilly, uh, John C. Riley, sorry, not O'Reilly. Mm. And it's like, oh my god, how's it going? Like, oh yeah, you're with them today. Oh my god, and um, they they were working on Holmes and Watson. Right, okay, which I now, haven't seen. And also, I had a similar experience. I did a little bit of work on what ended up being a Sasha Baron Cohen film wh- where he's like Nobby the fucking northerner or something. And then he was, you know, it was like this a sort of a bad Bond film. Grimsby lot, character. Grimsby one, yeah, the Grimsby right, one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. got pulled into that for a few days and spat out again. So these films get, like, there's loads of money flying around. They're shooting a film. And yet, there's people sitting around eating ice creams going, what is this film we're making? And someone's going, I don't know. Well, why don't we get some more writers and see if they can write some scenes about that? And we'll see if it's that. And you're going, what? Yeah. You know, God, you, that, is so that how I'm moving? Like, so like, I think quite a lot of, um, at this point, in the, the uh, Handmade story, don't quote me, but I reckon how to get ahead in advertising was, was, that the, was that was that the nail in the coffin? Did that sort of sink it? No, there's a few. There's a few more. I fucking hell! How's this? This doesn't make sense. Check this out, right? Um, we're now on 1988, 1989. Checking out. Oh, that I've already mentioned it. How to get ahead? Pow Wow Highway, Cold Dog Soup. Pass. Right, 1990. Nuns on the Run. Oh, Nuns on the Run with Eric Robbie Coltrane. And yeah. Eric Idle. Right? Don't know whether that went down well. I think it was probably didn't really work. I saw that. Forty seven percent nineteen reviews. Mm. Yeah. It's a it's kind of a jaunty farce. We w- w- at that point you would have gone, I'd take a punt on that because it's idle and Coltrane. Yeah, yeah. Then there was then ah, there you go. So the film so then the company's gone tits up. New ownership in nineteen ninety four. They've tried a few more, right? They've gone one the wrong guy. David Steinberg, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. So this is this is post Harrison and what? Okay, so the the Guy Ritchie, film. Guy Ritchie, yeah. which did really well, right? That was kind of Guy I'm really Ritchie's surprised that these are actually handmade. Yeah. Eloise, the animated series, Manolette, Fifty Dead Men Walking, by Carl hmm. Skogland or Kari. Sorry, that's my eyesight. Um, Planet 51 and Cracks and then finally these are like mid 2000s 2010 Danny Boyle actually makes a film that's really highly rated called 127 Hours have you ever heard of that? Yes yeah it's about the that uh, guy who's um, trekking he falls into a oh. crevice and has to cut his arm he gets his hand stuck in oh a crevice oh my god yeah and has to cut his own arm off to escape fuck man yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. I think yeah. it's fair to say it's a good date movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say I don't I personally don't count the post Dennis O'Brien George Harrison era as proper handmade. But they burned uh, bright. They made some amazing films, but they also made a load of stuff that fucking hemorrhaged money out of the business as well as the fact that the guy running the place was I'm going to read it out. Following a series of box office bombs in the 1980s and excessive debt incurred by O'Brien, which was guaranteed by Harrison, Handmaid's financial situation became precarious. 
The company ceased operations in 1991 and was sold three years later to Paragon Entertainment Corporation of Tom Toronto, Canada. Afterwards, Harrison sued O'Brien for $25 million for fraud and negligence, resulting in an $11.6 million judgment in 1996. Wow. So he, I think people, people like, for, like, in the story of handmade films, and the reason that it's interesting is apart from you seeing how this company got run into the ground, you were also getting insight into the shooting and the production of all the good films like Mona Lisa and Longer yeah, yeah. Friday and well, another, a lot, fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. But, well, I mean, I'm not entirely qualified to give an in-depth analysis on Handmade, but they're a company that, yeah, a company that, their good films were great films like and it's just, I like well, I like yeah. still holding up I can only keep doing doing what what I do for a living by still finding things to romanticize about otherwise you'd be fucked because obviously the reality of most things is that you work on is that you're really excited you think you found something that would be beautiful and that someone could bring it to fruition it'd be wonderful everyone would love it it'd get applauded you'd get paid for it and not only would it win awards, but it would also guarantee you your next 10 years of work, right? Yeah. That's what you've got to tell yourself with every new idea <laughs> at the same time as knowing that that is not going to happen. Yeah, it's a funny mental trick, isn't it? So, because you have to sort of hope against hope, but there's a part of your brain, the rational you know, part of your brain's going... But it's a moonshot, as they call it these days, isn't it? It's, you know? a, it's, it's a moonshot. It's a fucking I mean, moonshot, man. But it's all about, I mean, it's all about the script, isn't it? It's all about, you know, if you get a group, you know, the right group of people, you know, sufficiently interested and excited by a script, mm. then, you know, good things, good things can happen, you know? Who knows, the hardest baby. thing... Who knows, yeah. The hardest thing is, is the script, you know, because I've, I've been sent scripts in recent years, oh, you know... And it's very hard to get good script uh, script writing. It's the one aspect of the business that's the most difficult. You know, you've got great cameramen, great editors, and you've got great directors out there. But it's it writing is just the hardest craft, and you're writing a really tight ninety minutes that you know does all it needs to do and just sends you out of the cinema. You I know, mean, it obviously matters. Like, I, I'm going to say it matters. Yeah. I definitely think it matters. But I actually feel like it's like there is an alchemy, like. You could have all the places in all the bits in place, and if if the writing shit, it won't not likely to be good. But then you might blag it with a bit of improvising, right? Well, yeah, but I think yes. I feel like mm. it is alchemy, but I feel like writing is really important. But I also feel like what I never realised until I sat, until I saw like things being edited bad, and then someone gets hold of it and does it another way, and you're like, oh, like editing, fuck me, like that's so important, yeah. You might think that your your film exists in the pages that you've written, and hopefully it will it will it will reflect that. But actually, fucking editing, man! Like, I'm working with an editor at the moment on a project, and he's it's just magic. I mean, what he's bringing to the table is just really wonderful. Yeah, he's he's a guy with you know thirty years experience, but he's just. Yeah, it's, and it's not just picture cutting. It's what he's doing with sound, and it's just it's so subtle. So, all mm. the little, mm. all the Bear layers. In mind, Connor. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's no, he's uh... this. He's he's incredible, Steve. Yeah. And it's also about finding people. Like even though there's all the some of the parts when you're making a project, and it's like 
you know, finding the best people and blah, blah, blah. It's also just about atmosphere mm. and having people that fucking like each other. Yeah, I think the what more I do... No, no, I do. I agree. I think, like, any time I work in TV or, you know, if I'm doing, say, doing a block of EastEnders, like, I want the set, my set, you know, people walk on to be, a, like, a really nice set to walk on to, you know? Mm. I want it to be relaxed. I want a good, you know, a good vibe there so that the actors just feel like yeah they feel like it's it's a good space to just kind of give it their best and i think yeah, um but also that's, that's really important you know but like generally like you've got so many different people in the mix like who've got all the different jobs all the like it's like 75 percent of what you're you know when you, you watch a tv show you just see these actors and it's all shiny but actually fucking 75 percent of what's going on is just hard work and actually to a point sort of manual labor right oh, and yes, without so. that stuff the fucking thing doesn't exist right yeah, exactly. and like if if there's a shitty person souring the atmosphere and someone's got to come to work weeks on end and go, that cunt's going to be there again. Like, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just... It, oh, I remember I, I think remember you tell, I think you can yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when If you ever watch a film and you think, oh my God, everyone looks dead behind the eyes, it's probably because it was awful. It was just an awful workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the the synergy on set is really important because I you you can see it like if there's a very flat atmosphere and a lot of kind of tension on the set, mm. it probably does spill into the actors. Obviously, actors try to resist all that, but it does all. Yeah, it all feeds in. Um, so, I just think you know, a good atmosphere on set is 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 really important. You know. Well, I hope really I hope Connor that we get the chance to do well, our little our little remember, film. Nico, remember that. Remember when we met on the mm. East End, just set to do our scene, and you, me, and Danny sat down. Dan, and we Danny just, Dyer, little name yeah, drop, clunk. Yeah, no, but we just started. Legend, we just started. It. Yeah, yeah. So we just started reading the scene, and you brought a couple of, you know, you you t- tweaked the script, and Danny mm. started giggling, and you know, it was just straight away there was a nice vibe between us, and and then when we got it on its feet, mm. that sort of carried through, and it's just a. Great little comedy scene. Nah. Two, you just bounce off each other so well. Fucking try and get your job right, right? So yeah, because um, yeah, I was I was wondering about when you came onto set. I was like, uh, you know, I said I was saying to myself, I hope he, I hope he's not like stressing. I hope he's not nervous. Nah. I mean, I just want I, I wanted you to come along and enjoy it. And as soon as you and Danny sat down together and started bouncing the lines, I was like, great. Don't ask- totally. You were just in the zone, and you were just funny and and just enjoying it. Well, the, you know. before before we actually shot, there was about. 15 minutes where it's just like now I'm standing near Danny Dyer I'm not like saying that like oh my god it's a famous person because I'm just sort of used to being around people like that but yeah, well, but it was like this guy is here every day just doing his job he just wants to get this right I'm there hoping I hope this is funny I hope I can make him laugh whatever but he's just like fucking just dealing with just fucking himself right so then he, I'm like, he wants ah, to get like, it right. I just yeah, wanted, yeah, I just yeah. wanted, I just wanted to sidle over and sort of go, all right, mate. How's it going? Oh, nice one, well done. Like, blah blah blah. Nice to meet you. But th- that opportunity sort of didn't arrive, and he, I mean, he wasn't at all rude, but he was almost a bit like, um, fucking, like I just didn't exist yet, right? Yeah, yeah. So the sure, first yeah. time I actually existed in his fucking head, and it was perfect, <laughs> was when you you set up the shot that he's got the bonnet of a car up. That's right. Yeah, and then he. He put the bonnet down, and I was there looking at him, and I don't think it was even like scripted, or whatever. But he just looked at me, and I just went, "All right, 
yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And, and it fucking made him laugh. Yeah. And then he he didn't stop talking to me for like fucking four hours, and we he was I mean, not not that I've become friends with him or anything like that since, but it yeah. just meant you know. So I, I'm never I don't get nervous about if I if I'd went on a set, someone had got me on to do a job, and then I said like, oh hey yeah, how you how you doing, and that person was just like, yeah whatever, I'm busy doing my thing, fucking just do your job, then I'd be fucking like, oh fuck, how do I deal with this? I wouldn't know what to do, yeah. but. You know, God bless no. him. Yeah, my, you, you my, know, you were great together. My my attempt to sort of like see if they could just like break the ice a little minute, and then yeah, he was he was really really sound. But he had a moment oh, where I think he was on like because he was on Who Do You Think You Are right, and he had his moment where the fact that he had like some moment where his lineage was like linked oh, yeah, to, was some some, to, royal, to a king. There was yeah, a bit yeah. of blue. There was blue blood there going right. back right. So that's just genius. Seeing him, pop, get, you know, arriving back home, the cameras are on him. He's like, babe, babe, I'm only a fucking royal and all that. It was just like fucking magical. And he was so lovely on that show. So people had already wa- started warming to him. Then he goes on Jonathan Ross, I think it was. And someone, everyone's tense because it was Brexit. And he just does this little monologue where he, obviously he's he's not into politics. He doesn't he he can't have a sensible conversation about Brexit. Who fucking can? None of us knew what it was. And also he re- represents the class of a lot of people who voted for it almost out of a protest of like stop ignoring us, right? But he pitched it perfectly, and he was there on Jonathan Ross, and he went all this fucking. We're all trying to work it out. We're all falling out. The country's splitting off. He goes tell you. What, what fucking get and I'm obviously paraphrasing what well, who winds me up is what well, fucking David where's fucking Cameron he's he fucking brought it on and now he's just going fucking sitting up with his fucking trotters up twat <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. audience you know yeah! Yeah, like on both sides of that horrible fissure if that's the right word the divide that the country Probably, was just yeah. splitting off just in a in a throwaway proper angry working class fucking insult he fucking skewered David Cameron and the whole kind of political class. I thought I was just fucking like, I fucking love this guy. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, uh, well, you, it was an honor and a privilege. It was a good day on that. It was a good day on set. That actually, it was a great day on set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the scene, the scene just made me laugh so much when I saw it. You know, so well, yeah. uh, if you if you see him before you finish your tenure at EastEnders. Give him a little cheeky, cheeky wink from his favourite at the time, <laughs> worryingly overweight, <laughs> worryingly overweight car park attendant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now listen, uh, my friend, it's right. getting on. It's mm. getting on. God, yeah. Um, I'm going to the... wrap up. Right. Okay. Well, have we re- have we resolved anything? Or I think it's oh. clear. People listening to this will now be on the edge of their seats thinking feeling that they've just witnessed the birth of a new wave of British cinema <laughs> Anglo-Irish cinema Anglo-Irish cinema, there yeah. you go excellent it's the, the Anglo-Irish wave, I was there when it started <laughs> um, Connor Morrissey you're a fine friend yes, thank you an, o- are you. an, an okay director and <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a, a shit flatmate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for coming on GSOH, and um, I shall see you tomorrow for a pint.
Indeed. Thanks for having me. Uh, no problem. Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I'm, I'm one. <laughs>